Welcome to Lead Limitlessly, a podcast about living, loving, and leading an incredible life without limits. Each week, we will deliver the best engaging content on the secrets to leading a successful and happy life filled of purpose, power, and profits. Now, here's your host, the Limitless Leader herself, Dr. Sarah Renee Langley. evening wherever you may be this is dr sarah renee langley and we i'm just so excited as always to be before you and start to really have this conversation as we have been for the past not just a couple of weeks but for the past couple of months if not a few months about now how to advance in adversity and this week we're all talking about hashtag the talk hashtag the talk how to talk with your children in regards to the police and racism and I'm so excited that I have some great, amazing guests. I have my co-host, Danny, that's going to come on in a second. And then we have the lovely Diana Anos, Andre. Look, I had to, look, I had to practice that a few times. <laughs> I want to make sure I don't mess up her name because she is lending her expertise, her skill, and her time to us to help us to know how to help our kids. You know, they've been sheltered in place, dealing with COVID-19, dealing with the pandemic. Who knows that they may have lost a loved one. And then, you know, the graduation had to get postponed and, you know, we had to now come to see them or they had to do it by via Zoom. And then all of a sudden, which have been going on for a minute, not all of a sudden, but the fact that now the protests, the racism, white privilege, you name it. And they're out there making it happen, protesting making a difference, raising their voices. But who's to say that they may be suffering in silence with all of this going on? So that's why we are having this conversation and we're going to have this conversation right now. So thank you for tuning in. As always, please let me know how you're doing. Put a one in the comment section. If you're having a great day, put a two in the comment section. If you had a so-so day, put a three in the comment section. If you had a horrible day. Because what I want you to do is now decide. Because see, in life, it's no such thing as winning and losing, but rather it's winning and learning. So if you didn't win, what did you learn? And what do you plan to do differently to turn that two into a one or to turn that three at least to a two? So talk back to us. And also, if you have any questions or comments, put it in the comment section as well. We want to invite you in this conversation so that now we can collectively come up with solutions that will best serve our children and ourselves. So I would love to bring on the lovely Danny Robinson, licensed social worker. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I took off today. So oh. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. That's part about that. Uh, what is it? Uh, release? No, what was it? Relax, relate, release. Relax, relate, release. Self care. That's a part of that all the time. Yes, yes, definitely needed. I'm glowing because I had the day okay. off. Listen, I had the day off, but that didn't necessarily be off. So it's all good though. At least I had some time just to kind of reflect and and relax and you know do things that I enjoy. And so, mm -hmm. how about you? How was your day today? Oh, good. Same, same. I had to some uh, family business to take care of. So it was like kind of off early, but then I was able to get like a couple of other things done. I was like, oh, I'm just feeling so, feeling so uh, more at peace now. And a few things off the plate, little checklist. So yeah, feeling good, feeling good. Well, I'm so glad to partner up with you and to have this conversation now with our next guest, our next guest who is the expert in the field of working with children. And I'm so glad that people are joining us right now. Hey, Aneem, I may have mispronounced your name, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to practice off camera to make sure I get these names right. But thank you for tuning in and thank you for joining. Everybody who's sharing it out, thank you for sharing because sharing is caring and you never know. You may just save a life in the process. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. All right. So without further ado, I do want to bring on Diana. Before I do, Danny, do you have any news while I pull up? The information ah, news today news today so i mean there's you know there's always something going on um you know in the world <laughs> definitely but i would like to say that um i did see um a friend of mine post and i don't think that was even today i think that might have been yesterday too i uh, was just talking about some of the the reforms they're planning on doing mm -hmm. and i believe one of them was if i'm not I, I might be quoting it incorrectly but just in discussion about 
um, changing the way that we do, um, I think privatized prisons, I think was the update. And I can't remember, it's my friend Ty. So I have to read, double check the article, but I did catch that as also, I did see that um, internationally, I see how all these monuments yeah. are coming down, not only here in the US, but I saw something about Belgium. They're also taking theirs down. A couple of other countries are taking down their monuments. You know, their statues that we've always, well, we haven't always known, but we have learned that most of these these figures that have kind of been looked up to and memorialized through statues have, you know, really caused a lot of havoc, chaos, trauma, terrorism mm -hmm. to black folk. To so actually see this impact internationally, to see things, things these things come down is very encouraging. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that we're we're seeing these changes. You know something? So I always like to bring some humor to this as well, right? Like it always works when we actually can have a a pattern disrupt or in, you know interrupt and in like how the flow is when we're so angry and then it's like humor just brings us back in right it, it depends on who you talk to though yeah i don't know some people may not take it so humorously but mm -hmm. um so i saw the one in bristol england where i think it was uh colston yeah he's the slave trader Mm -hmm. And they took him down. It looked like they blindfolded him. Yeah. They, they, you know, they faced him and they rolled him down. They picked mm -hmm. him up. Yep. Like, you know, I think somebody was supposed to say a few words, but then somebody, I saw somebody's yeah. hand is <laughs> on top of that, pushed him in. Everybody, yep. you know, just celebrating. I was celebrating. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. But then yeah. you seen, then I saw someone talk about Christopher Columbus. Mm -hmm. that uh that someone had found had taken him and put him in the river i seen someone decapitate him like i saw the head off mm -hmm. and i was like wow they yeah it. yeah yeah it's I'm, that telling you, I'm telling you we need to impact this all the way across the board even to our native american brothers and sisters because you know they still have issues with the term of redskins mm -hmm. you know for our football team so you know it's time to you know spread that love as well over for them and make sure they're quality because they're massively being um, affected by COVID. I mean, in, in alarming numbers, it's very scary. So, yeah, yeah. Yo, did you see him? I feel like coming out like, yo, did you see the uh, NAS NASCAR? Yes, they're taking her out, they're moving. They're no longer banning the Confederate flag. I said, right. NASCAR. Wow. NASCAR. Yes, that's so, huge. It's a lot of changes. And so we just really want to encourage you all the fact that instead of whatever you're looking to see immediately and right now such as police reform you know we're talking about defunding the police and i see a lot of misreviews on that but the fact that we are seeing changes you know albeit small big or in between we're seeing changes so make sure again as we always talk about the shift in perspective look at what you want to see happen Right. Don't keep meditating on what you don't want to see happen or what isn't happening for you. Not, you know, that's not happening quick enough. We need to look at what is happening and celebrate that because we will see more of that. More of that. Or just making sure that you stay focused on what is happening and you celebrate that. I had a whole list. I had copied and pasted a whole list of all these different changes that have happened. So y'all can always check back on my, um, my, my uh, Facebook page so that okay. you can see what in the world has happened within a matter of time because we did rally together we are joining together we are making a difference and that is what it's all about you are making a difference you're showing up 80 percent, maybe it's 90 percent now so marcia you have to talk back to me thank you for joining us you know it used to be 80 percent. i don't know if we went up to 90 percent, but it's about showing up so that's winning the battle right there that's that's mostly winning the battle by just you showing up and then you sharing. So even if you feel like you're at a place where you're not able to share your voice, you can't speak your voice, you may be shy, you may be introverted. Okay, that's fine. You showing up and you just pressing the share button or you showing up and then you're talking to someone else that you feel comfortable in talking with about how you feel about the situation and what you want to see happen. That is change, that is progress. You are doing something. So celebrate yourself, celebrating what you are doing. It's not by comparison whatsoever. It's just a matter of that you are doing something and making a difference. Even if you're showing up, hey, be it via Zoom, you know, at the protest, you know, you're, you're cheering them on. The Gen Zers, they got so much energy. The millennials, they got so much energy. Us Gen Xers, I, <laughs> I'm cheering on the sideline. <laughs> but yes, we are all making a difference. And that's all that matters. Okay, so 
Thank you so much for everybody joining in. Thank you, Danny. I see you, Danny, on our Facebook Live. Hey, Gregory, thank you for tuning in. Hey, Yolanda, thank you for tuning in as well. Good evening to you. So uh, April and Marlo, thank you so much for tuning, tuning in, everyone. Any other business or any other news you want to uh, share before we bring on our lovely guests of the evening? No, no, I think we can get on into it. All right, all right. Okay, so everybody, I'm so grateful and thankful for Diana Anos Andre. So let's talk about it. Diana is a licensed mental health therapist working with children and adults. She has been serving her community for over eight years in a variety of settings to include private practice, school and community groups, residential psychiatric facilities, and in homes. She has also worked with children and families in dependency and foster care systems. She enjoys, Diana enjoys working with individuals and families to navigate the challenges of life. So that's why she is here with us today. She has experienced, she has experience with anxiety, depression, anger management, trauma, school stress, life adjustments, parenting skills, family communication, substance use and abuse, and career transitions. She also addresses ADHD and ASD related concerns. While Diana has a passion for helping people, her heart lies in working with children. She has experience with children ages three and up, providing them with emotional support, helping them work through their trauma and providing psychoeducation to teach children how to self-regulate and use positive communication skills to express their needs. So everyone, I just would love to welcome you, Diana Anos Andre. All right, so Diana, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and thank you for joining us, Diana. Hi. You. Hi. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. So we have a great crowd. We have a great audience. We're sharing it out. Shane, hey, thank you for tuning in. Everyone, thank you. We are now going to the going to go into the conversation of how do we talk with our children, our teens, our tweens, our babies about racism and the police. So Diana, yeah, what, what do you think about that? I mean, you work with the children. So how has it been for you in regards to working with the kids, especially around this time in this climate with racism and the police? Um, around this time, well, actually, even before this time, I I have three kids of my own, three boys, and I always found like I always found that the best route into talking about any of these things is to be completely honest and to be open and transparent, um, and of course, always being age appropriate. You you know, depending on their age, is what you you know is how you want to introduce certain things to them. Um, but always, always having, always being truthful in what is happening is the key. Um, it helps to eliminate a lot of false narratives, and it also helps the child understand what is actually going on in the world. In terms of, in terms of uh, the children that I'm working with, that I kind of, um, I base that off of how the parents are are actually dealing with the situation. So to be completely honest, the my my clients that are under the age of 9, some of them are not really aware of what is happening because their parents have not either shared it with them or you know they're not on Facebook, they don't have social media and maybe their parents don't have the news on or they're not really speaking about what is happening in front of them. So that age group I find they don't they don't readily know what's happening. Um, during my sessions, I do check in with my clients, and you know, I ask them, "Hey, how are you guys dealing with what's happening in the world? What's happening right now?" So, based off of their response, it lets me know where where they are and how much they do know. Um, a lot of my teens are the ones that I actually enjoy my sessions with because they are talking. Like they're using big languages, political language languages. They're talking about overt and covert racism. You know, they're on it. They're on social media. They've formulated their own thoughts based off of what they've seen. Um, I've actually have gotten from the conversations with the teens more support. No, actually, all of my teens are in support of the Black Lives Matter movement in terms of 
you know, this is not right. It doesn't make sense. Oh, we, you know, we should be past this. I don't, I mean, I get so much anger and um, from the teens about how unfair it is that, you know, this sub, we have to go through this. And it's always, no, all lives doesn't matter. It's black lives matter because black lives are the ones right now who are being persecuted. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's discuss it. Let's, you know, how do you really feel? But um, they are, so my teens are very vocal um, because they are, they're, they're more aware of what is happening. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. And it made me think about how uh, you mentioned something that jumped out for me in regards to the narrative, the false narrative, um, and perhaps maybe parents not knowing what to say, depending on the age of their child, um, that would, I don't know, may that may concern the parent on how the their child may take it. Um, they may not, the parent may not know how to answer you know, follow-up questions that the child may have, or they may think that, well, the child is not able to process what's going on, um, and, and nevertheless not knowing uh, what to say, and that sometimes they may give uh, a false narrative or try to make them feel better or try to give hope in the sense of creating a different spin to what's going on. Um, do you find that that isn't helpful? as far as with, you know, even if, if at the best effort of the parent, that maybe that's just not helpful, that they need to be truthful. And does that matter in the age? Yeah, I, I find it's not helpful at all when parents lie to their kids, um, especially about this um, topic. Because with our brown and black kids, as you know, they can experience racism at any given age. My own son had his first experience when he was four years old. And he, not to say he was traumatized by it, but he just couldn't understand because a little boy told him that he was too dark to play on the slide with him. And you know, that hurt his little heart and I had to go and regulate at the preschool, but you know, that was way back when, but you know, they experience racism at any given age. So it's, it's more hurtful to the child if, you, if you're not explaining, if you're not explaining the truth of what is happening in the world. And when I say in, in truth, I'm talking about not your opinion. You know, we all have, all of us are, you know, black and brown people, we have our opinions as far as why this is the way it is and why we feel the way we feel. We all have our opinions. So what's important is to stick to the facts, things that you can show and prove and explain to your child. And that way they're not just spewing your own, you know, they're not just they're just not retelling what you're wanting them to retell, if that makes sense. How, how, um, helping them to know the facts so that actually they can stand up for themselves and they can speak their truth and they know where they stand in life and also, you know, what their rights are. So if they don't know the truth, you know, someone else will tell them their truth. And so it's important as parents that we advocate and we educate, not telling them the story by not educating our kids with what our history is, it, it ultimately hurts our, our children. So I'm Haitian, um, well, I'm Haitian American. And so I do homeschool my kids. So the first thing I did when I started homeschooling my son is I, I, spent, like the, I spent the summer teaching him about our Haitian history. And so I feel that's very important because then he can know who he is and where he stands. And along with the Haitian history, he got some of the black, you know, the black history in school. And I filled in the gaps so that he knows, you know, he so that he can know it's really important. Great point, great point, great point. And you know, just to, just to say, and you know, I love Haitian history because y'all are some liberators. Okay, love Haitian history. I, yes, girl, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that that's definitely a great deal, right? Because is um, I think part of it is the you mentioned identity, having the mm -hmm. identity because we're definitely told mm -hmm. something else in our history books. You know, in the classroom, they're definitely taught something else about history and not the full history and the greatness that we come from. 
Um, so like you're saying, I think that is because then you learn where you come from, your heritage, how proud you can be of where you came from and the generations and generations before you and the, the things that they've triumphed for, through and have helped achieve. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, so mm -hmm. I have a real quick question for you talking to, cause I've seen like in comments um, from other parents that maybe not have not kind of addressed the, the, the big pink elephant in the room and talking about it. Um, when they're, cause I think sometimes parents might grapple with the fear of trying to figure out, you know, like you were saying, what your child has been experiencing or what they have gone through or if they've had any um, experiences. I guess it's a two part question is one, how would you, if you're not even sure if your child is, has experienced any racism or, you know, if you're not sure of their experience, how would you definitely open that door to having to explore that if, you know, we have some parents that might be a little skittish around having that, that open and honest conversation, kind of like how to open that door if you haven't done it yet in the past? I would definitely recommend that the parent gets, uh, you know, seek some assistance, therapy, guidance, uh, maybe their church uh, pastors or whomever to help them navigate through their feelings and to help them kind of figure out how can they address it with their child. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to mess it up, right? Because it's such an important conversation and not that, I didn't mess it up and I know I probably did along the way, but what I had to do is I educated myself. I can't educate my son if I don't know. So definitely educating yourself, getting that, that uh, what, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Getting that support, um, even just to navigate through your own feelings will help you with your child. Because what happens is if you're not ready, if you know, this, this is a traumatic, this is such a traumatic event that's happening for adults. And we're talking about like generations of people who already had to go through Rodney King and, you know, depending on how old they are, lynchings and mobs and all that. So there's a lot of trauma that's happening. So definitely working through your own trauma so that you don't cast that on your child because they have their own set of traumas that they have to go through. And so our job as parents and as healers is to help them work through that trauma. So I would definitely recommend the parent get some type of uh, support first. And of course, if, a two, if it's a two parent home, having that conversation together to decide, okay, what, what, are we, what, what are we deciding here? What are we going to teach them? What are we going to, what are we going to explain to them? I had my neighbors, they're actually, it's a biracial, biracial couple and they have, you know, biracial children. And um, they decided that their first act would be to take their kids out to the protest. And that was something that they spoke among themselves. And it was an, ex it was a family experience that they decided that they needed to have. And so having that, that uh, communication is important. And, you know, I can't stress this enough, just being honest and not being afraid to say, you know what, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's look it up together. Let's see what this book says. Let's look at this movie. Let, you know, let's do it together. Let's learn together. Because to be honest with you, this is my first time going through a riot and whatever. This, this, this is all new to me. Let's watch the news together. So being honest, educating yourself and, you know, not being afraid to just speak your truth and just telling them, you know, I don't know, or this is my experience. And I find that when you open up to kids, kids will open up to you. They become comfortable enough to open up to you. And so they will, they will tell you about that time that Susie skipped them in line and called them, you know, whatever name. And so they have that experience that they can share and they can now um, connect the dots as to, oh, that's why this was it. This didn't make me feel so good. And that's why I experienced that. And so it will lead that conversation to how can I, um, how can I deal with this next time that it comes up? What can I do? And, you know, you go from there. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's, um, that's great. That's, that's great. I'm taking notes. That was great. <laughs> And I thank you for that. Um, it was so refreshing to hear, Diana, about saying that you don't know. You know, like just being honest and open 
And the fact that that leads the conversation as well, that breeds more trust and honesty and openness that can also help the kids to also be just as honest when there's times that we just don't have an answer and we're learning this together. And that I can see how that can also help to make the, the child, the kid, the teen um, to feel more, I don't know, more hopeful, you know, like, wow, instead of parents, when you think that, oh, I need to have an answer all the time, I need to lead the way, I have to be strong and, and all of that. Sometimes just being honest, being open, just being real, you're setting the tone and paving the way and setting that example for them to do the same, your children. So I thought that was a great point, Diana. Everything that you just said was awesome. You all talk back to us. What do you think? Please put it in the comment section. And thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in. Antoine is joining. Hey, Antoine, we have him on Friday. Um, so thank you for tuning in, Antoine. He, hey, Joe, I see you popping up over there in Charlotte, North Carolina, North Kakalaki. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Sharia from ATL. Thank you for tuning in. All is well. I hope all is well with you. So Kahala, that's Danny's uh, connection. <laughs> hey, Kahala. She said, yep, they know all about ethno ethnocentrism, ethnic dominance. They are our tomorrow, and it's only right that we empower them. Mm -hmm. And I saw that Marsha has said earlier while I was talking about how you know we had the Gen Zers, we have the millennials, we had the Gen Xers. She was like, "Look, I'm a baby boomer, baby baby boomer." So you know, I, so baby boomers in the house, we're shouting you out as well. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask Diana, um, is there a difference in how kids process based on their ages? You know, so you said that you work with as young as three years old. So if that's the case, how do you work with or help? The babies to understand, you know, like the process does, if at all. It's not really age, it's about maturity um, because a three, well, uh, a four or five year old could be very toddler ish, where a, and also to like a nine year old, but then you might have a very precocious eight year old who can, you know, read to you the Constitution mm -hmm. and teach you a little something. So I, I find that it's based off of maturity and I base that off of our conversations. And mostly, well, I will, I will say, I first have to, I first get permission from parents. I, I never overstep my boundaries because I don't know where the parents lie in terms of what they want their kids to know. So that is very important because even though I, I may feel that every child should be um, should be taught and should be given this information, the parent may not be ready for that conversation. So it's always important that I get the parents buy-in first and permission before I start just you know saying anything. Um, so, but in terms of if we're teaching kids about racism and differences, you know, if you're starting off with the, with a three-year-old, it's mostly sur uh, surrounded around play therapy techniques, um, having different dolls or different, you know, different things that are different, teaching them that differences are okay. And you may not, you may prefer one thing over the other, but that doesn't mean that you're better than the other, but just, you know, going through that play therapy, uh, different things, coloring and books, uh, videos. Um, Daniel Tiger is a, uh, is an episode that I typically, uh, use to help kids three, four, three, four, and five-year-olds. Um, they do have a lot of social skills uh, episodes and, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can, I keep saying things, but there's a lot of different issues that they might have. Sesame Street, you know, you use the resources that you have so that you can help the, the kid understand, help the child understand at those tender ages, and then just follow it up with a conversation. Something very simple as saying, okay, well, when my son was younger, he used to say, our skin, our skin is a different color. My skin is different than his. And so you use their language that they're using. And if they're using a language that doesn't, isn't quite right, you just change it. You just tell them, hey, we're gonna use whatever instead of whatever so that that age is about educating and you know just teaching them 
teaching them about differences and teaching them not to be afraid of differences. As you well know, like a three, three-year-old, they will hug anyone. And a four-year-old and a five-year-old, they go to preschool together. You know, all of that, all that hate is, you know, manifested. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. The podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So I find that at times if your therapist is black or brown, then the child is not, you know, the the home is not as overt racist as, as most, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, now thanks. some of it is some, I, oh, sorry. Well, I was Go just ahead. Saying, um, so I want to say thank you for that. Um, I wanted to say, I remember seeing, and I don't know if you've seen this, Diana, or anyone who may have been on my post. I love it. I think Danny may know what I'm about to talk about. It's this little baby. Little, she, I don't know how she looks. She, I don't know how she, she was on. It looks like maybe her father's uh, shoulders. And she had her little protest sign. Did y'all see that? Hmm. What did it say? Whatever her language was. So it was in baby language. So it had all these, you know, squigglies and it was in different colors. So I said, well, you all captioned this. What did she say? I think she said some, some colorful words in that. But, you know, I'm not going to repeat here because as Danny knows, you all know, it's like I, I try my best to just keep it at a secondhand cussing level. So that said, I don't want to say what I thought that she said, but she said something. But what I loved about it was that, wow, she looked like every bit of, I don't know, I, let's say two, you know, two, two and a half. And she had her little sign of her little protest sign up with pride. And it had all these little squigglies. And I, what I loved about the parent that they allowed it, you know, like it wasn't a matter of saying, oh, well, all she's going to do is do squiggly lines and it's not going to matter. No, she wanted to take two tasks and take to her little sign. And she did her thing. And she said what she had to say. She said what she said. And she put that little sign up. And like I said, because, you know, they took away her nap time, you know, this whole protest, this adult stuff. She was like, look, adults, get it together. Don't mess it up with my nap, my nap time. <laughs> but anyway, not to belabor that. I just love the fact that everyone is raising their voice down to the babies. You know, they're raising their voice. They're speaking out. We're all together on the same level or playing field. That's what we want to get to. It's to have everything on an equal level playing field. And the fact that, like you said, Diana, um, it's not based on age, it's just based on maturity, you know, and that they can interpret and, 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 and also convey whether through their little, their little baby language sign to them actually taking to the streets and saying something about racism and with the police. So thank you, everybody. Can I add also to go ahead? Go ahead. I wanted to add there also to um, there are kids with autism or maybe some who have uh, communication issues. They there are social stories that parents can either create or locate online to help the child understand what's actually happening in terms of the protests or you know the murder of George Floyd or. or anything, there are social stories that can help that child that's struggling with communication to still understand. So, you know, I, I feel there is no excuse as to why your child isn't aware of what's going on. Because honestly, if they're black or brown, they're going to experience that racism. And the best thing that you can do as their parent is to get them ready, right? Because I always, I always love to say, I mean, and it, it's painful for me to say, but I always look at my kids and I say, you know what, there is, I can, it doesn't matter how much I love you, but my love at the end will not save you, right? Because I can love you, but when you're out there, that's not going to prevent any type of racism or anything that you're going to experience. But what will protect you is the fact that I've been advocating for you. I educated you. And so now you know, and you can protect yourself. I equipped you so that you can protect yourself. Oh, that's a good point. That's definitely well said. Um, 
Denise. You know, I had to, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm just, because you're giving really, really good information about how to, you know, educate, how to have the conversation, how to talk to, you know, our kids that are, that's, you know, being faced with this kind of every day, even unbeknownst to us sometimes. Um, but my question is also, I want to talk, you know, about our um, Caucasian and our other folks that maybe they haven't been having a conversation about race or it hasn't been necessarily a, a, you know, a dinner topic or talking about, you know, others. So I, you know, I think that sometimes, well, in the past we've heard, you know, that all people are equal, all people are equal, you know, all people are equal. And I was listening to um, a researcher that was saying that they did a study with like just a group of uh, white parents with their children. And then they asked the children after the study, they said, they just asked them one question. They says, do your parents like white people? I mean, sorry, like black people. And they said a large majority said, I don't know. Then another large percentage said, or a medium percentage, maybe like 14% says no. So, you know, there's like kind of that, I guess that pushing of a narrative of saying something, but then also, I guess it's that what you kind of mentioned a moment ago, that learned behavior. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's combating I guess I look at it and maybe as combating the two because um, I think we've mentioned before in talks, it's just like, you know, there's that, you know, some of what you were talking about, the learned behavior at home. And, you know, there's that social influence that we see too. Like we saw um, a couple of years back, if you remember the doll test, when we, you know, they were asking, you know, black kids about, you know, which was a pretty doll, which right. was the other doll. I saw that. Yeah. So how, I guess when we're, we're having these conversations, whether it's, you know, the white family that is having the conversation or you're just saying all people are equal or, you know, dealing with our kids that, you know, maybe we're educating at home, but, you know, there's still the social influence. How do we battle that, I guess, that um, possible learned behavior or social underlying behavior um, in, in your thoughts at all about that, how we could combat that or just, you know, have that, those conversations to influence more instead of just speaking one thing, but maybe living another. And, you know, also battling that psychological or that visual uh, presentation that we're kind of coming through. Um, I just meet my clients where they're at. Um, meaning I don't try to shove my truth down their throats. And I, I ask all of my clients, how are you feeling about what's happening? And then uh, this gives me the opening and the opportunity to educate because they will tell me what they know and I will provide them with information and I will correct any misinformation. See that, that if they've opened up that conversation, I didn't just come in and say, hey, we're gonna learn about black history today because you need it. Um, even though I know they may need it, that's not how I address it. And also too, it I may have to spin it a different way. One set of sibling group, I had to talk about being bullied and being the bully and how, because he, he experienced bullying and he was able to understand, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement through the analogy of a bully. And um, because he was asking me all kinds of questions. And as a matter of fact, his sister was like, well, all lives matter. And he was like, well, no, well, you know, and he, he was able to kind of break it down because he understood it from his own experience. You know, I read, I read a post where it was a very long post, but one thing that stood out to me was that the person stated that she could not tell people how she felt about the oppression that's happening because she's never been oppressed. So how can she speak on that? It would be careless for her to speak on something that she's never experienced. So as, as an educator and as a therapist, to educate others, I would have to reach them at the level where they're at. Give them an analogy that works for them, you know, because they're kids and their minds are moldable. So you give them something that works for them so they can understand, oh, oh, I see. Because if I were to say, well, no, well, because of the black skin, they won't understand that because that's not their life. They will understand bullying. They will understand abuse. They will understand sibling route. You know, they'll understand what is currently in their life today. So if you have a client or a child who is 
not black or brown, you know, the only, not the only way, but I find the best way to, to tell them is to tell them, don't tell them about, you don't start off with, well, if you were black, da, 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 da. You give them an example of what they can comprehend. They can, you cannot comprehend oppression if you've never been oppressed. It, it just isn't, it just doesn't work that way. All right. Well, Diana, thank you so much. Um, and, and just with the wealth of information that you're giving, I see people are just sharing this out and that's exactly what we wanted to happen so that now they can help others on knowing what to do and how to help their children out as well as themselves during this time. And we're about to actually wrap up. Wanted to make sure that you all got your questions in for us or for Diana. Um, please let us know if you have any questions or comments that you want to share because I'm, I'm reading them, I'm seeing them. Um, Robin, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you and your time here. Um, thank you so much for everybody tuning in. And as always, again, in having this conversation on what to do to help with our children, on how to process, how to have this hashtag to talk, everybody, hashtag to talk, because this surely isn't the talk that I remember when I was the baby's age, you know, it was a different conversation and it is understandable. This is where we are at this time, but you make sure that again, you look at what is happening, what is working, do what works for you. Just like Diana said, I wanted to try to capture everything that she was saying, but you make sure that you catch the replay. If you didn't get everything, you just go ahead and you look at it over and over and over and over again. And we're gonna make sure that you connect with Diana before we actually end our time together. But one question that I did have for you, Diana, and everybody, again, thank you for your time as always. We really appreciate you because we wouldn't have this forum if you were not here. Um, Diana, um, I wanted to ask you, you can just, you know, um, flow with this. Because of the fact that you are a mother, you said you had three sons. Mm -hmm. How has this now, I know that you are a therapist. I just wonder what this is like for you as a mommy to three kings. I, I wonder, like, how, you know, being a therapist and being a mom <laughs> with your son, if I, if I may ask you, I'm going to ask you this beforehand, like, <laughs> this came to mind. No, um, it, it's a very emotional, it's very emotional. It's, it's trying to balance my mommy instincts of wanting to protect, but then also being a therapist and wanting to educate. It's about trying to keep my, it's try, we've seen the meme about, you know, check on your professional friends at this time. That's me all day. And when I'm, because I'm very, I'm a very avid poster. I will post all day. I will share all day. And I'm dropping jewels all day because you're going to listen. Because what I do know is I have a lot of Caucasian friends on my Facebook page who have loved on my kids and told and tell me how much they love them and how cute they are and how well behaved they are and come on drop them over at my house my church is a is predominantly white and I love going to that church so you know what I am part of your family so you're going to hear me today so I am posting all day every day and I'm sharing and you know what? It's it's telling and you see who these people are and it's okay with me. I rather know who you are because what I'm not going to do is allow you to lo love me because I'm that type of black person, but you can't love the person that looks like me because I fit I I I've made you so comfortable that you are able to offer me a seat at your table, but you won't offer someone else that same seat. You know, no if I can't, if my neighbor who is also black can't get that same seat, I don't want it. And I rather just know now that it's not available for any of us. So it's hard because it's like I'm advocating for my son's future. And at the same time, I have to remember, I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> don't get too far. Because at the same time, I still want people to hear me and I want them to understand and I don't want them to feel attacked. So it's it's been an emotional roller coaster, and honestly, uh, back in 2016, it was the same. It was the same thing. My trigger was Philando Castile, 
and seeing that Facebook live and seeing my husband and my brother who actually looked identical to him. He worked in a school, he's a teacher, he had locks, you know, he has that wide set nose and it's like you see, and then there was a baby in the car. So it's like all of that was my trigger to this is crazy. This is out of control. So that that made me become more of an advocate and it it actually pushed me to be open and honest with my, my sons. My oldest is nine. Um, I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old and the nine-year-old is the one that I'm educating the most because here's the thing, when they see him, they do not see a nine-year-old. And that is simply because he is tall and he, he just doesn't look nine. And on top of that, he's high functioning autistic. So when they see him, they don't see that. But when, when, he, when he opens his mouth, you can tell, and his mannerism, you can tell. So it's me educating him and letting him know, hey, look, this is your reality. And it's not scaring him, it's teaching him, keeping him aware. I, he watched with me um, the Netflix series, When They See Us. And it was hard for me. Like I watched the first episode and I kid you not, it took me almost two weeks to get through that episode because I just couldn't get through it. But then when I got to the end of that episode, I was like, no, this is impossible. Because the one thing that was the one takeaway for me from that episode was that the parents did not advocate for their kids and they didn't know how to advocate for their kids with the exception of Yusuf's mom. They, uh, they didn't allow it, but because of the lack, because they, they didn't educate and they didn't advocate and because they didn't know and they were afraid, their child was unfortunately put in that situation. So for me, my sister, she's an attorney with Myrtle's Law and the one thing that I told my son after we watched the whole thing, you know, I, and we did a lot of pausing and replaying so that he can ask questions of, well, you know, I don't know, or, well, this is what happened. And maybe we Googled a couple of things, but I made sure that he was able to understand what was happening and he was able to process and he was able to watch the movie as well. And the one thing that I told him at the end of it was like, listen, um, you know, you, you always need to be respectful because I raised him to be respectful. There's no amount of mental health issues that you're going to have where you're not going to respect your, your authority. You know, there's no yelling and screaming and all that, but at the same time, you still need to be respectful to the cops and you might gave him the spill. But at the same time, what I said to him was when they ask you a question or if they make promises to you, you need to know to ask for your attorney. Don't ask for me. Do not ask for your mom because you know what? I can't help you in this situation. Do not ask for me. Ask to speak to your attorney and you need to know your attorney by name. And he, you know, he was like, well, that's Tati Lulu. I was like, no, no, she's not. Her name is Luby Merthel and you need your attorney and your attorney will call your mom. And that was that. So I had to for me, that was me educating my son. And I, every so often I'll, I'll ask him because when you ask what we do know about the law, when you ask for your parents, you get nothing. But when you get, when you ask for your attorney, you know, they have to stop and they have to get you that attorney. So teaching him that for me was teaching him how to protect himself and it's needed. So this whole, everything that's happening you know, I, he's very much well aware. We do, when Ahmad got murdered, we did the walk for him and we explained it. There's, uh, I have three other nephews. And so I have three kids. So the six of six boys, six boys. Okay. So this is what we're dealing with is six boys. And it's just so important that we, we tell them and we, we advocate, and I just keep saying advocate because that's just so important, advocating and educating um, just so that you can protect. And so when Ahmad, we did the walk for Ahmad, we explained that to him, we explained Philando, we just explained the situation, but we never, we never ever breed hate. We never speak about hate. My son's best friend is white and he loves him and 
every time they they see each other they hug each other and i would never take that from him i've never i've never said to him hey those white people hate you no i don't do that i just speak facts and he can he he can see it based off of the person you know he he just sees and he can he he's already able to identify if there is some type of disparity or some type of racial injustice that he is witnessing because of the education and he's able to call it out and he's able to advocate for himself if he feels as though he's not being treated the way he needs to be. So to answer that question, it's just been really difficult, very emotional, but I I can't allow for the opportunities to pass by because I allow him to grieve with me and to see me grieve, but at the same time, he understands why I'm grieving. And, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. So I think emotional is the answer. <laughs> yes, yes. You know what, Diana, thank you. I just really want to respond really quick. First, thank you so much um, for, for sharing that with us and just being so open and just willing to share all this about you and about this journey and this process. And I think that's really gonna bring a lot of, at least comfort to a lot of people listening to this because you know there are so many of us that are experiencing the same things, whether it's our, with our children, with our, with our niece, nieces, nephews, cousins, you know, understanding this, this dichotomy that it puts us in and our constant, which you know other groups aren't familiar with, but the constant always role switching, right? Always having to flip these hats and I'm mom here and I'm therapist here, educator here, protector here. You know, so, I mean, just hearing this, I was just, I was just flooded with so, so many emotions because I can really relate to what you're talking about, you know, and I think so many of us are kind of in that dichotomy. And, um, you know, one of the first sessions we had was really acknowledging it's okay to not be okay. It is all right, because so many of us are not okay. There's so much going on. And like you said, I mean, right now, a lot of us are weeding a lot of folks out right now because they are showing their true colors, they're showing exactly who they are. And like you said, they might've been at your table, you've been at their table and they have these feelings and they've accepted this image and they're like, oh, you're okay, but not the rest, you know? So it's, there is so much going on. The emotion is so heavy. So again, thank you for just for, you know, being so honest and being so open and willing to share. Um, I think that was an excellent note that you also mentioned. I mean, everything you just said was excellent. I encourage everybody. <laughs> watch this okay because i mean she was dropping so many gems girl i think you be dropping gems on the daily okay because i was like write this down <laughs> but you know um one thing that you mentioned you know it was uh we've kind of talked about it a little bit and like creating that toolbox i did see that somebody um had posted it was by the huffington post and a young man kind of talked about the rules his mom made him follow when leaving the house and i think that one is one that i haven't heard of and even if you, like you said, fortunately, you guys have a family member, but I mean, that is something we need to bring out to the community, to our community lawyers, you know, whether they work for legal aid or anything else, you know, signing up to help protect our black men, our black boys, our black girls, and be able to have their information. And should they get in trouble, should they have a need that they know exactly who to contact, that, you know, they can be held accountable. No, call my lawyer. I, that is, that's yeah. a, that has to be at least the top two. Top two have the lawyer and have their information, their phone number, so they can be contacted, you know? So I, thank you. Thank you just for being so vulnerable and just sharing your story, because I really think that's really going to, I mean, that, that meant so much to me, you just sharing. So I think that that'll definitely bring value to other, everyone else that's trying to manage all these emotions, all these hats, all these roles that are kind of meshing together. So thank you again so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. It's always great. I just feel, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, um, I know you're helpless, but being able to, to share or to, to, I don't know, help makes it, makes you not feel as helpless. And so like um, Dr. Sarah said, even if you're sharing, if you're not even able to, if you can't formulate the words or you're just so angry that you just can't, you know, just sharing information because there's a lot of things that people they just don't know, like Tulsa and Rosewood. They just don't know these information. Then they're not privy to that. You know, they don't know about uh yes, they it's, these are things that no 
no one talks about. And they're all coming up from the woodworks, like things, there's articles <laughs> that people are sharing that are like five years old and everyone thinks it's right now. And you're like, when did this happen? I'm like, oh, okay. And it's all relevant because while we're doing this now, why don't you go ahead and take a look into this? Look at what happened here. And I, and I think that's awesome that we're circulating these articles and we're circulating this information because we need to know. And a lot of, a lot of us, black and brown people, we just don't know this information. We don't know it and we need to know it. And it looks like because of this conversation, they're going to know right now because of the fact that we are circulating this. Yes, they are. <laughs> Diana, you can go and you can just drop us. you like, look, you are going to listen, okay? <laughs> Diana is not playing that. Y'all going to listen. Y'all going to listen to the replay that everybody's jumping on right now. Steve, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you and your time. Nevlin, forgive me the words, how to pronounce names. Just like I had to do with Diana's name, I have, you have to talk to me and, you know, so I can practice it a few times so I can make sure I say it right. But thank you for tuning in as well. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for this conversation. Diana, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for dropping the jewels. Thank you for just sharing your time and your expertise. And just like Danny said, your vulnerability. I, I think that, like, that touched me because just being a fellow therapist and colleague is like, and this goes for all of you, where, okay, you're a parent, you may wear all these different hats and roles, but at the end of the day, you are a parent for those who are, and you are human. And it's not a matter of like, okay, I gotta be you know, politically correct or professional and all that with your own children. It's just about you being you. They just want your presence. They just need you, you know, and who you are. So please, it's time for us to just be who we are, be vulnerable, be real, be human. And let us all come together, locking arms, that now we can help all of, all of us and one another in advancing in adversity and continually to have this talk. Hashtag the talk, everyone. So, Diana, thank you so much. Danny, thank you for jo you know, joining and helping us always. So much appreciative to you and to you, Diana. And to all of you, thank you for tuning in. Very much appreciative for you showing up and sharing this and having this collective conversation. So y'all make sure that y'all tune back on Friday. We're going to continue to have hashtag the talk. Um, but before we go, of course, we want to ask Diana, how can everybody reach her? We do have a conversation on eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time with um, Antoine. So Antoine, I know you're getting ready. You're taking the notes so that you're going to tie it in and bring it home. No pressure, brother. No pressure. <laughs> we can't wait to listen from you know, from the brother's perspective in regards to hashtag talk. How do we help our children and being able to process regarding the police and racism. So Diana, please, if you can share with us, how do everyone reach you? So if they want to ask more questions or hire you, or, you know, just really want to continue with the conversation because they are going to listen because you have something to say. <laughs> so please, how can they reach you? Well, right now I'm a licensed therapist in Florida and New Jersey. And um, my private practice is expressionstherapycenter.com. And that's actually for every platform, uh, Instagram, what is the other one? Twitter, Facebook, it's the th uh, Expressions Therapy Center. And so that's for all the platform. And of course, my email address is dianos.andre uh, at expressionstherapycenter.com. I'm putting that in the comment section. All right. So y'all make sure y'all follow her, follow Diana Anyos. Andre, you know, make sure y'all check her out. She's, you know, she's licensed in Florida and Jersey. I was looking at Danny because she, yep. you know. Jersey in the house, girl. Jersey in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all make sure y'all checked out the replay. Make sure that you continue to share this because again, sharing is caring and you know, ever know, you may just help someone in the process. You may save their lives. You may help another parent through this and you can just help yourself by now putting into play, how can you now make sure that you help others in advancing in adversity? So everyone, this is Dr. Saturday Langley. As always, it's a pleasure. Everyone, thank you. Everyone have a good night. And look, y'all go to my page, look up at that that baby. That I think that's a great way to end this with the with the baby language sign. Y'all go ahead and look at that. See what she said. Y'all talk back to me about what you think she said. Again, I think all the squiggly lines, I think she cussed them out. So <laughs> and good deal for her. So that said, y'all have a great night. Much love to y'all. 
much for joining us this week on the Lead Limitlessly podcast with Dr. Sarah Langley. Tune in next week as we continue to deliver our best engaging content on the secrets to living, loving, and leading a successful and happy life full of purpose, power, and profits. Make sure to visit us on our website, drsarahrenelangley.com where you can subscribe to the show and listen when available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via RSS feed, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we appreciate a rating on these podcast platforms, or if you simply tell a friend, that would be awesome as well. Please, if you do like the show, you might want to check out our latest ebook, Lead Limitlessly, How to Lead Successful and Happy Lives, which are interviews of 12 limitless leaders who share the secrets of living, loving, and leading happy, successful lives. <laughs> and check us out. Also on the website, another ebook of ours, The Limitless Leading Effect, How to Lead Without Setbacks. So feel free to go to our website, drsarahrenelangley.com to learn more. Dr. Langley is also available for one-on-one VIP exclusive services and keynoting engagement. So please make sure you check her out at drsarahrenelangley.com or email us at caresupport at drsarahrenelangley.com for more information. Thank you.